0: Hey, and welcome back to another exciting episode of my podcast, Mind Body Musings. Today's episode is number 147 with John Kim. I hope you've been digging this theme we have going on of talking about relationships and love and breakups and divorce and coming together and bonding and intimacy and all that good stuff because we're continuing the theme today we're talking with john kim who is also known as the angry therapist about how he helped pioneer the online coaching movement seven years ago after going through a divorce, which led to his total rebirth. He quickly built a devoted following of tens of thousands of fans who loved the frank and authentic insights that he freely shared on social media. He became known as the unconventional therapist who worked out of the box, and he built his own team of coaches and created an incredible movement over at shift.org us. So if you want to check out his work, which I'm sure you're going to, you can check out everything by clicking on the links in the show notes for this episode, episode 147. But before we head on over to talk about relationships a little bit more than we already have, which is just my favorite thing ever to talk about lately, I want to read off the review of the week. And this comes from... Carodime. Dime and she says give me more moon with five stars. I absolutely love this podcast. I listen to a number of self-help podcasts and they just don't compare. Maddie keeps it so real and I feel like I'm just sitting in my car with my best friend chatting about life. Keep up the great work, girly because you are an inspiration to young women everywhere. Thank you Carol Dime. Thank you. That oh, I say this every time. It means so much to me, but it really does. It does mean a lot to me and every time I read these reviews I just get all of these warm and fuzzy feelings because I feel the exact same way. Like even though I'm here in my home talking by myself, I feel like I'm talking to many of you personally after receiving messages from you guys about what you're going through. So thank you for that review. If you want to support the show, two awesome free ways to be able to help me grow and to get this message out to more people is to one, share an episode with a friend when you hear one and you think of them, shoot it over their way because not only are you helping the podcast reach more people, but you're helping your friends with great free information. Another way to help the show grow is to write a review. If you go to iTunes, click write a review and put five stars and then say your thoughts, you're helping my show reach more people it actually means a lot in the itunes world it's like currency so if you give me iTunes iTunes reviews i basically get higher on there so that people can find me which is my goal so thanks guys for that thanks for helping out let's talk about the show sponsor this goes to four sigmatic my favorite drink ever right now it's so convenient it's so easy to make happen every single morning they make all these beautiful medicinal mushroom mixes which help with stamina energy focus clarity anything you could possibly want from coffee you get that in this little mushroom mix packet without having all the jitters and getting the adrenal fatigue issues that can come along with that sometimes i still drink my coffee because i'm not all about giving up something but i do add in these mixes a lot. There's one particular mix that I love. It's called the Viking mix. It has all of these different medicinal mushrooms into it, and you just mix it in with some warm water or some warm almond milk, and then whatever other concoctions or herbs you want to mix in there to make a tonic. And another one that I love is the hot cacao mix, which is freaking delicious. So if you want to try it out, you can go to Forest Sigmatic. You can also click the link in the show notes for this episode and then enter Maddie. The coupon code maddie when checking out for t- to get 10 percent off your order they are such an incredible company with integrity and i love them they're on to something really truly amazing in the world so i'm honored to be sponsored by them for this show last announcement and then you can go ahead and listen to this awesome insight my retreat the confidence revival there's only a little bit more time to register and to sign up so if you've been feeling pulled and called and tugged and you want to take this leap, but you're like, I don't know what to expect. Girl, that's how it feels when you sign up for a retreat. There's always a little bit of fear, but there's always a lot of excitement. So if you want to get your yoga on, your dance, your workshopping, and meet soul sisters around the world and come together to break limiting beliefs, build up your confidence, revive your spirit, and just recharge that independent, but soft and caring, loving, self-compassionate soul you have inside, then join us. You have until April 24th to register because that's when the Krapalu Center needs to know the head count for all the ladies coming. So remember, that's coming up here really soon, and I'd love to have you. If you have questions, concerns, you want to come but you're worried about something, financial struggles, reach out to me. Just send me an email by using the contact form on my website or send me an Instagram message, whatever works. Just get in touch with me because I am highly accessible and I'm very available and I would love to see how we can make it work for you to come to this incredible experience. So the retreat is in Massachusetts at the Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health. Just so y'all know, in case you're near that area and you're like, I had no idea, I thought I was in Colorado. It's in Massachusetts, a beautiful time. We will be going and we'll be doing hiking and all this lovely stuff. So I'd love to have you guys. Okay, are you ready for this show? Because I am Ready Freddy, John Kim is awesome, and let's hear what wonderful insight he has to share with us.
1: (laughs) Maddie. Maddie Moon and her inspirational guests every Wednesday for the life-altering discussions on freedom, vulnerability, abundance, and so much more. For more insight, grab your free gift on MaddieMoon.com and uncover your own once-in-a-lifetime greatness within. If you have kind words to say, feel free to leave a review on the show in iTunes or send your favorite episode to a friend. We look forward to hearing your insights and growing together in unexpected ways. And now, without further ado, here's your host. Maddie
0: Moon. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This is your host, Madeline Moon, and episode 147. Here we are already. I am so excited to be interviewing John Kim today, who I first discovered probably a year ago, maybe? Yeah, around then, on Mind Body Green. And he is known as the Angry Therapist, which I can't wait to ask him why. But he has a lot to share about relationships and the direction and the movement of the self-help industry. A great story with um, just coming to realize what he truly wanted in life and how he could share his story to grow into this person that he desired to become out of things that have happened in his life, like divorce and all of those lovely things that we talk about on this podcast. So welcome to the show, John. How are you?
2: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. You're, wait, so you're, this is podcast 140 something?
0: 47, yeah. Wow.
2: Congratulations. That's amazing.
0: Thank you. It's, I think yeah. my, my, my podcast birthday is this month. It's been three years now. Wow. Yeah.
2: That's inspiring. I love it.
0: Thank you. I had no idea that I would, I really had no idea that it would keep going this long. I was just, Hey, this sounds cool. I want to interview people, and I have no intention of ever stopping. It's just so much fun.
2: Yeah, but you know what? There's something to be said about um, just consistency. I think a lot of people create, a lot of people make content, and you know they give it a couple weeks or a month and then they stop. But to actually just keep pumping it out like that is—it's a lot of work and determination and all that. It's great.
0: The the easy thing about it is that I keep discovering cool people who I want to know more about. I mean, that's mm. really what it is. And, right. um, and then I, I, I until also, this episode, <laughs> until right now, this very second, <laughs> which I'm so unsure of <laughs> just kidding. Right. Um, yeah. Anyways. Okay. So I want to dive into your story of this, this marriage and this, this ending of the marriage that when it came full circle and how this served as a catalyst for you to become what you consider yourself to be a self-proclaimed angry therapist, maybe explain that too, but go into your background, your story, and how you got to where you are today.
2: Okay, sure. Um, got married young, uh, marriage expired, and um, when I left, I it was an opportunity, because I, I left with pretty much nothing. I just took my car and my pillow, and gone got on Craigslist, found, found a roommate, and I didn't have... I got to start all over, so I didn't have friends. I was, I think, at the time unemployed. I was going through a career transition. I came from the world of screenwriting and I wanted to become a therapist. So, you know, when you're able to shake shake life's edge of sketch that hard and start all over, um, you could actually, uh, you're fearless because you have nothing to lose, (laughs) you know? So I created a uh, blog called The Anger Therapist, and I decided to pull the curtain back and just be transparent, just be raw, and um, that kind of was the first domino in my whole, you know, where I'm at now and and my my passion and purpose.
0: So I I have never been married. I, I have no idea what it's like to go through a divorce, and I imagine that it's one of the most heart wrenching experiences. Ever, I mean, I again, I have no experience. I don't know. I don't know. But from yeah, what I I understand, can be for sure. Yeah, what I understand, what I've seen from my family members, I've been surrounded by a lot of people that have experienced divorce. Everyone close to me has. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit about that rawness? What was that like for you in that experience?
2: Um, man. So yeah, I think I was married for about five years. And then before that, we were together for another five. So it was like a – it was like a 10-year deal. Uh, so the divorce – it was tough because um, it totally – it you know, I felt the ground – like the ground was uh, pulled, pulled away from underneath me. And I just um, – it, it was almost like going into like survival mode, you know. And – yeah, just building from scratch, building all over. So it's you know it, it's when you're in it, when you're in the trenches, it's devastating, and you know of course emotions and you know playing stuff back and all that stuff. But now looking back, it's probably the most important event, like as far as um, you know repositioning my direction in life and what I'm meant to do. Uh, if it wasn't for that, I don't know what I would be doing now
0: what would you say was one of the motivators to make it happen because there's so many points i assume where you can stop stop i mean like with divorce you don't have a right or wrong answer you really don't know yeah. there is no clear this is right this is wrong um, so in some instances, I, I believe it's better to continue to fight for this relationship. In other instances, it's better to not and it's better to look at it as coming full circle. For you and your your partner at the time, what were those signs that the answer was not to keep going and keep pursuing to heal this relationship but to call it uh, to a close?
2: Yeah, that's interesting. It's uh, you know every relationship, every marriage, whatever is is complicated. Um, we got help and we worked on ourselves. Um, but there's a point when you start growing apart and then it, it, it just doesn't feel repairable. There's a point where, cause, and also you're only 50%, uh, of any relationship. So you just, you just kind of know, you just kind of feel it. And also you, 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 you can't convince someone to be with you if they're they're they've already, you know, um. Checked out or they're they've already been drifting. You know, it's it's uh it's hard. It's, it's more than just like working on something. You know, if it, if it's like an issue and you work on it, that's different. But uh, if it's more of a growing apart, which was my case, then uh, it's a lot more complicated. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So, since that experience, what has it looked like for you in relationships moving forward? What has that looked like when you enter relationship? What Core concepts or qualities do you look for in your own life, or maybe suggest your clients to look for? What important things need to be there to have a relationship that
1: lasts?
2: Yeah, um, I've learned a lot. I think we learn. I mean, with a choice. If you have to look at it, you know, you have to look at it and take ownership and examine. But I think um, after every expiration, whether whether it's a marriage or a, you know a, a, a few months or a few years. Any relationship, I think that uh, there's so much soil for growth, you know, um, learning about how you were, what you like, what works, what doesn't work, um, learning about love, learning about other people. And so, yeah, I, I grew tremendously from that experience. I think that, like, I was a boy before, and then the divorce is kind of where I crossed over to uh, being a man.
0: Right beautiful yes 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 i love that so though when you do have people that come to you because i'm assuming you do have people that come to you and they're like hey help me with my relationships is this should i stay should i go is this right or is this wrong what do you facilitate there within their lives
2: um i never tell them what they should do because i don't want to take on that <laughs> responsibility um but i definitely process um where they're at what's what's going on and also like how much of it is them and things that they need to work on how much of it is their partner uh, you know that that you got to kind of like separate things and put things in the files and organize because when we think, um, we're only seeing the world through our own own eyes, so it's, it could get very cloudy very fast, you know, and then you're you're making uh, decisions based on uh, distortions instead of truth.
0: hmm Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Okay, um, so then after after this, you you created something called Shift. Tell us a little bit more about what that is.
2: Yeah, I feel so. I started with the angry Therapist, and I just felt like uh, then I uh, I got overwhelmed. It became a full practice, and then I was seeing people um, all just all over town, and you know, like on walks, coffee shops, online, um, and then I had to build a team because it was overwhelming. And then that turned into the Catalyst course, which I've always thought that. Um, the clinical world, just going through the journey of becoming a therapist is broken. And there's a lot of problems I had with that. It's very discouraging. It's very lonely. It's very expensive. And so with the, uh, the booming of life coaching, I created a uh, life coaching course or like a life coaching intensive or academy. And that took off. And so now, um, all that is rolled into shift, the startup. And shift is like an ecosystem. Um, we, Help people through tribes. So the idea is that uh, you're not meant to do life alone. So you jump into a tribe and you do uh, whatever you're going through with about 12 or 13 other people, um, and it's led by a life coach. And then we also, on the other side, if you want to be a life coach, we uh, train you and certify you. So we have this nice little ecosystem of people uh, seeking help and wanting to give help.
0: One of the things that you talk about is sharing your struggles with other people so that you can – Um, become closer with your tribe. You can rebuild your life through others. What does that mean exactly to rebuild your life through other people?
2: Um, I learned, so all this kind of happened organically as I was going through my own rebirth, and I learned the power of community. So I was working in residential, post-divorce, I was working in residential, helping teenagers, and there's a concept called TC. It's called therapeutic community, and the whole idea is just creating a safe space and allowing um, each other to grow through each other. So uh, that's also, you know, some of the concepts of the CrossFit. I mean, in, in that in that world, community is kind of the heart of it and um, sweating with other people and, you know, having people make you accountable and supporting you and all that is kind of what uh, makes that so powerful and effective. Uh, and I think it's the same with anything, you know, your tribe, uh, your whoever you surround yourself with and the quality of those people can either sharpen you or stunt your growth.
0: When it comes to emotional struggles you are experiencing now or you've been experiencing in the last couple of years, do you have any that you can share with us and explain how you worked through those struggles by sharing with this tribe that you've created? Anything in particular that my audience might be able to connect with that's more recent in your life?
2: Sure. Emotional struggles. What do you mean in the department of, um, relationships or in life or yeah, anything, anything like that? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's, I'm 43 now and I've been married. I've been mostly in relationships most of my life. Um, you know, three year relationships, two years, whatever, even a few months. Um, and now I'm kind of single back into the, the dating scene and I'm kind of redefining, I feel like I've come full circle and I'm redefining what Love is, and I'm trying to be open and becoming a student at uh, love and relationships. I thought I was um really good at them, <laughs> but uh, um it's not about good or bad it's just about like everyone is so different and unique and uh yeah, so as far as like emotional um I, you, you know what? There's ups and downs. And just because I'm a relationship coach doesn't mean that I am perfect or that I have perfect relationships. I think it's one of the you know big misconceptions about coaches.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Seriously. I feel like that the struggles that coaches have is what makes us good coaches because we can empathize with others. Sure. And we relate more so we know what to say whenever we're doing a Facebook Live or whatever because we speak our truth. We speak about what we're struggling with. And I did a podcast interview. um, I think it's the last one I had with a guest when this goes live. It'll be the one before this. And he also talked about relationships. And it was just, it was funny because I was talking to him about my current partner Mm. and some of the struggles we were going through. And like literally, like literally four days later, five days later, we broke up. And uh-huh. that interview I had with that guy was super insightful for me to just talk about, like, communication styles and how two people have to both be in it together and right. um, being how you you go to. We talked about how you go to relationships for healing, like that's what you're looking for is is for healing. And it just brought a lot of perspective to me. So then a couple days later, we broke up and like this whole week has been a very emotional week for me because I've had to process these crappy emotions. I'm dealing with a lot of anger, yeah, a lot of anger, like unexpected anger. Normally that's not the emotion I have. When I go through something like this, it's normally sadness, but <clears throat> there's been a lot of anger here. And, and then I go through, I'm, I'm going through similar of this redefinition because like we use the word <laughs> love and then this happens so quickly and it was just so like okay well what is love <laughs> like i yeah. thought love was you know being on each other's team and working to come to a middle and compromising where possible but um that's not what i was receiving from this person and so i just said i can't if you can't then i can't and it's not going to work because you have to be on each other's team because your well-being is my well-being my well-being is your well-being yeah. so I thought, I consider myself to be very fortunate to be at my age I'm 25 and to have um the understanding I do so far and to also respect myself enough to not like go through something where I don't feel I'm being treated the way I should be treated But, man, it is such a struggle. And, like, here I am, like, this just happened this week, and I'm still like, let me just share it with the world and tell everyone what's (laughs) happening in my life.
1: Why not?
2: I think it's courageous. And I think, like, you know, I always tell people our stories are the most powerful thing we own. And there's a tipping point when you actually not only accept and embrace your story, but you share it where it becomes bigger than you. So I think it's great that you're sharing things like this because other people are going to listen and relate and learn, you know?
0: Right. It's, he- it's very healing to me, and I'm sure it's healing to someone else listening. And if it helps me to go ahead and talk about it this week rather than next month when I come out and say, yes, we broke up, like then I'm going to do it this week because that's what's going to help me, and I want to help myself just like I want to be able to help inspire or be there for other people who are also going this, going through this type of thing.
2: Yeah, and, you know, relationships, oh, my gosh, they're so hard and complicated and – uh, you know when they expire. I, I like using the word expire. Like if the relationship is over and it's done, I like reframing it as an expiration. Um, so that way you're not holding on to it and a lot of what ifs. I think one of the things that the, one of the mistakes we do, uh, myself included, is we start to play things back, and then we, you know, when when you play something back, you're playing memories that are also distorted because it's coming from your perspective, and you only play back uh, the highlight reel or or things. You know, you're not playing things back like a documentary you know and so behind all those playbacks is emotion and then it confu then it's confusing and it's like do i it's just it's it's a riptide mm-hmm.
0: you it's so easy to put on those rose-colored glasses and romanticize everything that you had with this person yeah you, absolutely. like that's your that's your natural instinct i think because you want to find reasons to hold on And you Mm want to find reasons to make it work. And I love that you said expired. I did that. I talked about that earlier this week. I mentioned how breakup to me brings up a lot of stuff from the past. It brings up like all the breakups. So for me, it's like breakup,
2: it sounds like something failed or something is broken. Like it doesn't, there's, there, there, it's hard to accept that. You know, there's more um, pushback with that word. Well, at least for me.
0: Yeah. No, it's the same exact thing with me. And so what I was saying, I like expired. I also was saying dissolved, which to me was a softer way of saying expired, I guess. Like yeah. it's just, it dissolved like, or coming to a close. Cause that makes me feel like it was a full circle and it was complete. And I like things being nice and tidy. So I'm like, here we go. We have completed this circle. Um, but yeah. How long were
2: you in this relationship for?
0: Not that long. So that's another reason why I was like, I don't want to say breakup because that gives me the feeling of years. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it was only a few months, and,
1: okay.
0: and it was.
2: But few months can be intense, depending on the intensity of the relationship. You know. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. It was intense. It was a lot of a lot of getting to to know each other very deeply in a very short amount of time. So I felt yeah. like I knew this person very well, and I did not foresee this happening whatsoever. But I took a trip for a months in Europe and that's when things started to shift and I because I mean that's hard enough like you're gone for a month you got to deal now with like being long distance like that's already a struggle but I noticed a lot of things that would that weren't going to be healthy for me and they would be healthy for him and so that's the way he does things when you're apart but that's not the way I want to do things like whenever I'm apart from someone I want more communication like I want to at least text or have a quick five minute call. Like that's good for me. Whereas he, his communication style was to not talk except for every couple few days, like even yeah. three days, you could go three days without talking. And that was hard for me. And he didn't understand me wanting to talk daily. And I didn't understand, understand him. And the thing there, and in retrospect, the thing that would have made this work is if we both were like, I don't understand you, you don't understand me, but let's try at least to come to a middle place where we both feel like our needs are met. Mm-hmm. And the issue here is when one person doesn't want to compromise or yeah. come to this middle place
2: yeah I think communication is everything I think that when you don't communicate you're leaving the other person in the dark and then that's when drift happens and then suddenly you wake up and you're like oh I don't really know you anymore and it's like well <laughs> we haven't been communicating in the last you know and by communication I don't just mean like talking I mean um, connecting on on all levels so energy uh subtext uh you know body language all that stuff it's not just um conversations
0: do you feel like technology has hindered or increased our ability to connect with people? Like, can texting tear people apart, or do you feel like, for the most part, it brings people together?
2: I think both. I think it's a double-edged sword. I think that um, technology is amazing in that if you want to pursue say something like a long distance, um, I mean, you could FaceTime, you could you have an instant conduit into the person at any time, which is great. Um, it's not like you know back in the day when you had to write letters. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I think we could hide behind our phones. I think that it's easier <laughs> since it's easier to text or send, you know, emojis and different com- that we tend to not talk. Like we tend to not actually pick up the phone and call people, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I
2: think I, mm-hmm. you, using it as a tool is great, but I think there needs to be a foundation where you actually do make an effort to talk. And on top of that, you can use texting and messaging, all this other stuff, um, to stay connected.
0: Right. And I, from what I've seen with my clients and even with myself after the relationship as well, I think you can take advantage in a negative way of technology by like essentially stalking this person and getting upset if they don't like something of yours or you can see where they're at on their Instagram stories or you can follow them in this way. And like, that's when it comes to you saying to yourself, what do I need here? Is it good? and Is it healthy for me to stay friends with this person on Facebook? Or is it healthy for me to be watching all their Instagram stories? Or would it be serving me and giving me back the power if I choose to not be obsessively following this person and give myself the gift of space?
2: Yeah, which is extremely difficult. And I'm guilty of um, you know stalking exes on Instagram and seeing what they're up to. Um, that, that, you know, that one button into someone's life is, it's powerful. And I think it's so hard to, to, um, not do that. I think it's healthy, but it's hard.
0: I'll share this with you. So I've been like, so on Instagram, on Instagram stories, you can see when people look at your stories. Right. And I'll like, look to see if like, Certain people have looked at my stories yeah <laughs> I'm like did yeah. they watch my story did they see how funny I am today like oh yeah. it's just that it's that fear and a little bit of a little bit of an ego a little bit of longing um, you know what it is is feeling.
2: It's- yeah, but it's the um, we as humans get dopamine from approval and validation. So, you know, when you're, whatever, if you're doing stories or whatever you're doing, someone likes your post or you see how many likes you get or someone that you really want to like your post has watched your story or your, there, you get a little shot of, you get a high from it, you know, and then we get addicted to that high and then when it, that stops, you know, you you have anxiety, <laughs> mm-hmm. like yeah. drugs and stuff.
0: You know? Yeah, and like, do they not like me? <laughs> those kind of thoughts. I don't really. I don't fall prey to that anymore. I I know that a like does not determine anything, but I definitely know what you mean about the dopamine. That that's everyone. I totally right. relate with that. So for me, it's like don't look at those names on your Instagram story. Like, take some time away. If if you if you do it, at least do it with awareness of what you're doing. At least know what you're doing and be aware that you're searching for that hit of dopamine. That's yeah,
2: really and here's nice. an interesting fact: um, intermittent dopamine is more powerful than regular dopamine. So, um, and I think this is why a lot of girls are attracted to quote unquote bad boys, is because they're not consistent. So when they do get the uh, validation, approval, the you know the charm, the compliments, it's that dopamine is a lot more potent than if they were getting getting it consistently by a quote unquote nice guy.
0: Whoa, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's interesting. That makes sense. So much
2: of this is chemical, you know, like brain chemistry.
0: (laughs) Do you think that, like the 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 desire for a bad boy, besides the dopamine, do you think that, like, what other reasons why you feel like women do that? Do you know?
2: Yeah, I have this theory. It's called um, predator and prey, and it's like um, it's just one of my kind of like learnings from working in the world of addiction um codependency and all that. So I think that if so you take a guy who uh has addiction maybe in his family or maybe you know grandparents or maybe he's an addict and he grows up and um he, his behavior is you know he's he's charming, he's manipulative, he's uh inconsistent you know, he's all these things, a lot of addictive behavior. Or if his parents were um, alcoholics, he's an adult child of an alcoholics. So he doesn't have a lot of tools, so he's very reactive, etc. And then you take a girl who I think growing up, let's say something was taken from her. It could be her voice. It could be her uh, security. It could be her virginity. Something is taken for, from her and, you know, maybe her dad had, you know, ruled with an iron fist or maybe mom was checked out. But, you know, she's kind of wired a certain way. And then you put those two people as adults in a party and they just end up getting together. At the end, they just end up attracting each other. It's like magnets, and I think it's like the recipe for a, like a perfect dysfunctional <laughs> relationship. Um, and it happens all the time. You take you take someone. I mean, the a good example of this is like um, Pamela Pamela Anderson and P- Tommy Lee when they were on and off. And you see a lot of these celebrities are like you know addicts or just addiction in their blood. And then uh, the the women that that. That trail them. Um, And I think that that's kind of the underlining current why uh, A lot of women are attracted to
0: bad boys. Mm, Yeah, that does make sense. Do you think that they are searching for a sense of of healing in this relationship or are they searching for more of what they already had?
2: I think there's a lot of stuff happening. I think they smell familiar, right? Mm-hmm. I think, um, and, the, and I think also the fact that they're inconsistent and they're, but then they're also charming. And then when they're on, they're amazing. Like that high and that low is extremely addictive. And it, it, that, that, that feeling unsafe makes you want it more, you know? Yeah um that's why i think uh the the quote unquote nice guys they get a really bad rap because they're <laughs> they're consistent and they're uh honest and, but then they come off as kind of boring
0: i am at the point now where i'm i'm all about nice guys I'm no, no, i no like nice well, i think you
2: outgrow absolutely and i i think what happens is you know when you're young you're in your 20s or teens like that whole guy outside your high school the transam is very exciting Um, but once you grow up and you go through a lot of those hard love lessons and you have crazy toxic relationships and you learn a lot about what you want and don't want, when you actually become an adult, um, yeah, then you're more interested in, uh, vulnerability and consistency and all that, you know? So that's a good time.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And it becomes easier to say no to anything that's not that, that you want anymore. Like, yeah, I just, I feel like I've reached a point and I'm, and I'm not like, you know, I'm not perfect at all at this. There are certain people where I'm like, Oh, he's so charming and cute. I don't even care if he doesn't have ambition, you know, cause I'm yeah. just wearing like this, uh, these just blinders. Um, eventually of course I'm like, okay, no, this or, you know, whatever, something might happen where the universe, God is taking care of me to make sure I don't go too far in that. And yeah. then I, I'm sad, but then I'm grateful. Cause I'm like, thank you for taking care of me and having my back. Um, But yeah, I've gotten to this point for the most part where I feel like my awareness of what I want is so strong and it's getting easier and easier to discern or at least see signs for things that could be potentially hard in the future and like having that foresight without overthinking it and stressing out about it.
2: That's a great um, feeling, isn't it? When you kind of have the revelation um, after some expired relationships of kind of knowing what you want. In, in something, so like you start um, thinking about and imagining um, what the next one's going to be um, based on your terms and what you want, instead of uh, just going with chemistry or falling into that emotional, you know, and just compromising.
0: Here's here's the harder thing for me though, is like meeting people. I'm not. Yeah, that's
2: a whole another. That's a whole conversation. Yeah, it's
0: like, I, age. Yeah. I can write these journal entries about what I've learned and what I think is good for me. But then like actually manifesting that in my life is so different because I am not out and about all the time. I work from home. I like being at home. And when I am out, normally it's on a mission. I'm going to the grocery store. I'm going to Pilates like in the, the window to meet people that I could potentially jive with on this solo trip. I take to the grocery aisle um, yeah. you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't really, it's not a magical movie story where it just someone's like, Hey, where are the peas? And then we're like, yeah, let's drive, you know?
2: Um, I've been hearing a lot of this with, um, your generation and it is, well, I just with anyone single, I guess today in this world, but, um, also because of the swipe culture it's just, um, it's just a different, I don't know. Are you on, are you on dating apps and stuff like that or no?
0: I have been on and off and on and off, but yeah, the last, it's love hate <laughs> and it makes me, I don't like it. Like I really don't. And it makes me sad that this is the way it, it, it works now, but it, I would rather never be on it ever.
2: Yeah. It's, um, I think everyone feels that way. It's a language that we speak because it's just, that's the way the world is now at the same time. Um, I haven't met anyone that they're just a, you know, they they love it. I I always meet people that are like, yeah, it makes me feel gross. Yeah, <laughs> you
1: know? that's uh, I, I've is. used
2: it, I've deleted it, I've used it, I've deleted it. It's like something that they they feel like they have to do, which is it's not right. You shouldn't. That's not how you should meet people, because then the experience of meeting people is not a good one. You know, it's like you're you're dreading it.
0: Yeah, and and the the last guy I was with, actually, I met him on a dating app. Yeah, but the the. Six, seven, eight people I met before him; those dates were all just so uncomfortable and yeah. so terrible. I'm surprised I stuck it out to meet him, and I was so <laughs> happy when I did. But everyone that was before that, it was just like, oh, it was just so bad. They were, oh, what,
2: what makes it What makes a terrible date in your case? Um,
0: it's let me choose my words wisely. What makes a terrible date? Um, well. Of course, one of the first things is just the lack of chemistry because that's just yeah. painful because I'm not the type of person that's going to get up when I first sit down and be like, never mind. Let's not waste each other's time. This isn't going to work. Yeah. But normally, I can tell pretty early on if there's some chemistry or not.
2: So, do people do that? Do people even like does because I that's I I don't think I could do that either. If someone walks in and you know that it's not going to be a, a good match, do you do people actually announce like okay, um, you know, it's not going to work. We'll see you later?
0: I don't, don't know, you, honestly. Don't you just go
2: through with the date?
0: I feel like I know some particular people in my life that are super bold and they would probably yep. do that. I should yep. ask them. Um, but I don't have the heart to do that. No, that's, that's <laughs> terrible. And that would that would not feel good, but yeah, it, it just, that would probably be the first one. And then another one is if, um, and this does not mean terrible, this does not make it terrible, but I definitely like my partner to have to be taller than me. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people I've met up have been much shorter than me and I'm not very tall. So that is not me saying like that I wouldn't ever consider to be with someone that's shorter than me, but that's right. my thing is at least a little bit taller than me.
2: And Yeah, you know, I think that's fair. And I think that uh, one of the big pieces which I don't like about the whole internet thing is it's just false advertising. Like, Mm -hmm. because of the filtered photos and all that, like, you know, when you meet someone, the chances are you're going to be slightly disappointed than um, pleasantly surprised. Unless unless they're, like, charming and amazing and as you're talking to them and peeling the onion, they just, you know, totally change. They're usually not... They usually don't look like their picture.
0: Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) and I wonder sometimes, like how different i look from my picture i'm like do people meet me and they're like whoa she is so different
2: yeah me too
0: okay that's about right are you on dating apps
2: um i have been i've also deleted them i'm not currently on them um i I always tell people dating apps are like uh, ben and jerry's ice cream you have to use a very small spoon and they'll make you sick so uh i think you have to feel good about yourself and you and, and not take it seriously but use it as almost entertainment to enjoy it if you're really using it to find your soulmate um you're gonna set yourself up for a big fall i think
0: yeah i think that's truth and yeah i have um i have some friends that i've met partners there and now they live together they're gonna get married like it does have sure success for sure yes, yeah but, just because there's
2: just millions of people on it
0: yeah there's so many and sometimes i wonder like the people that I have on my podcast, these ultra spiritual guides and healers and authors, like do they, are they on there? Because I always think in my mind that those people or like people in this field that we do work in, they don't spend time on dating apps. And I'm like, how could they spend time on dating apps that can't be serving them? They're, they're they know what they're, they're so confident, they know what they want, and I, I equate being on a dating app with not being those things. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. feel like a lot of people probably are. Like even people that I look up to in, in this, yeah, this scene, are probably on it too.
2: A hundred percent. I think people are people, and it doesn't matter um, if you're a relationship coach or a spiritual coach, whatever you are, you're your person, you have your um, your vices, your weaknesses or you know, your all the feelings that everyone else has.
0: Yeah. Yes. Okay, I'm glad we had this conversation. I feel like that was important to have. That needed to sure. happen. Wonderful. <laughs> so, before we go to the quick fire round, we'll I'll ask you a few questions. Can you let my audience know where they can connect with you online?
2: Uh, yeah, I'll give you to uh, theangrytherapist.com or shift.us. It's S H F T without the I.
0: Okay. Um, on purpose. <laughs> awesome. I will have those links on the show notes for this episode, episode 147. And now I'm just gonna ask you a few of these questions, which would be super fun. Yeah, let's do it. All right, what Quick would point. you say are three words to describe you?
2: Uh, transparent, inappropriate, and spaz.
0: <laughs> those are awesome. I love those. Yeah. If, you <laughs> that's <could subjective>. live, <laughs> if you could live anywhere in the world besides where you currently live, where would it be? Man, what? that's a
2: hard question because I've never. Tra- I don't travel, and I'm kind of embarrassed about it. But I've only been. To like Europe, I've I haven't been anywhere. Uh, I was born in Korea, but I came here when I was three. I've never been back to Korea, um, so I don't even know what the world looks like. I I just Los Angeles is all I know. Um, I love LA, but I don't. I would probably go swing the other way and go east. You know? Yeah. yeah.
0: Absolutely. That's. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. I, I, I'm a huge travel nerd i love traveling but home is also if you're someone that i find it's just as beautiful to be someone that is perfectly content and happy with home you can be on the total opposite side where you can never be content with where you are and you always want to be going somewhere else so
1: it's
0: all about finding that balance for you okay what did you eat for breakfast
2: i just started today uh this thing called intermittent fasting Mm. And it's not just uh, so you basically skip breakfast. So I mean, so my answer is nothing. Uh, You don't eat till two. So uh, when I'm done, I'm gonna go like (laughs) inhale a large pizza. Um, No, you're not supposed to do that. It's just uh, I'm doing it not only to to lose a little belly fat, but I want to see if I have the um, so food's one of my biggest weaknesses. And I want to see if I can actually have the discipline to um, you know not eat for sixteen hours.
0: Oh my goodness. (laughs) <laughs> that would be interesting.
2: Oh, you your, and, and you're supposed to work out and stuff, you know, and just go about your life uh, normally, and uh, your body gets used to it, and you just, you know, you just need a discipline to do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your um, favorite nickname? Do you have a favorite nickname? Like people have named you something, and you're like, yeah,
2: oh, I, I have I um, have. I don't know if it's my favorite, but um, my Korean name is Chulgi, and in growing up, my, the teachers couldn't pronounce my Korean name, so they just called me Chucky. So until fourth. Grade. My name was Chucky, and which is kind of embarrassing. But then my parents went to a Korean fortune teller, and then came back, and they're like, "Okay, your name is now John." Um, So the people that know me very well, they call me once in a while. They'll call me Chucky as a joke.
0: That's so cute. I'm imagining you as a little boy, and your name's Chucky, and it's just all I
2: I see is that horror poster of the the redheaded kid with the knife.
0: Well, that's the first thing I thought of, but I wasn't going to say it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, or like some pudgy little, you know. Fat kid, Chucky, sounds a big like. Big
0: <laughs> version of the Chucky doll, just like a really yeah. big, fat version of the Chucky doll. Okay, <laughs> quality-wise, what is your biggest turn-on in a partner?
2: Uh, vulnerability.
0: It's a good one. It's very really yeah. important. Yeah. Who are three people you'd invite to your perfect dinner party?
2: I would say, uh, man, who – there's so many. I would uh, Bruce Lee, Drew Barrymore, and uh, Quentin Tarantino. <laughs>
0: Very eclectic. That'd be fun.
2: I think it'd be a party. Yeah, I think it would be a a good conversation.
0: Last question. What is a must-read book?
2: Um, I'm going to say The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. I really enjoyed that book.
0: Lovely. I will have the link to that on the show notes. John Kim, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, for sharing your beautiful insight and wisdom, and I look forward to keeping up with everything you're up to. Yeah, thank you for having me everyone if you want to get the show notes like i have said this will all be on episode 147 on my website while you're there you can download your free audio guide your free gift and i will see you folks next wednesday